At this time, we'll have a first message is a split sermon from Mr. Art Williams entitled Victory Through the Word. Mr. Williams. Thank you, Reggie. 77 degrees for today on, what is this, December 25th? Not like last year, is it? Supposed to be snow on the ground. You know, speaking on December 25th, it's really tempting to speak about the obvious, isn't it? I mean, the guy with the red suit and the white fringe that supposedly slides down chimneys but never gets any soot on him, you know? And his beard always stays nice and white. But I'm not going to do that because we all know all about it, don't we? And I thought that victory through the word is a little bit more appropriate. Because today, in our society and what we see and what has been and what's going to transpire over the next few years um, is not permanent. Today is temporary. Our situations are temporary, regardless of how strenuous they are on us. And the key is keeping our minds on him, Jesus the word, and through his words, his teachings, his training, and becoming like him He's never <laughs> no no explosion though. No. We'll see if that had anything to do with it. I'll take my phone out of the way. My phone was over here, pretty close to the mic. That might have had something to do with it. Maybe maybe Santa was trying to contact me or something after my bad words for him. But Jesus was here from the beginning. In John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made by, made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life that was the light of men. And so Jesus has been with us since day one of man's creation with different objectives in the Old Testament as opposed to the New Testament. And it says in John 1.14, the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Full of grace and truth. There's an objective for us to pray about and seek to obtain grace and truth. And continuing in John 2.22, Therefore, when he had risen from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said to them, and they believed the scriptures and the word which Jesus had said. We're going to look at that a little more closely a little bit. We're going to see that they didn't exactly remember that instantaneously when they got to the sepulcher. They, the women got there before him, before them, and when they went back and told the disciples about what had happened, they thought maybe it was just some kind of a fancy tale until they got out there and verified it for themselves. 
But Jesus did a great work in John 4, 39. It says that many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified, he told me all that I ever did. So the witnesses that Jesus spoke to were able to influence other people just like we can this day. In Romans 10, 8 through 11, but what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. This is Paul speaking. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. The essence of Christianity Belief, faith. Continuing in verse 10, for with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Two instructions right there. Our heart believes unto righteousness. So the key to righteousness is our heart, guided by the Spirit, obviously. And with the mouth, confession is made on salvation, we recognize our shortcomings. In verse 11, it says, For the scripture says, Whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. Now maybe in some instances in this world, we might think we're being put to shame, when in fact it's a witness before somebody else, or actually even to convert somebody else. You may have a, a, a feeling that, We've been shamed by this event, when in fact it could be a very positive event. Keeping our eyes upon Jesus, keeping our vision focused upon him, what his purpose and goals are, what he wants from us, what he wants us to become, is really important. And there's a there's a technique that's called visualization that one can apply. And today, that concept may have been replaced by videos because we can dial up on YouTube or Facebook or something a video that plays out for us any one of the Bible stories that are in here. You know, the Mary Magdalene going to the occur in the morning. All of that you can get on videos. The problem with videos is you can be brain dead when you're watching them. Or if in my house, I'm watching them, and I could be very focused on it. That is until the cats come along and jump up on my lap and start licking my beard and pulling on my shirt and doing a bunch of other things because they want attention. And so we can get distract by, distracted by any number of things that uh, will alter our concentration. And thereby, we will lose some of the information that the video is transmitting to us. But this technique of visualization is something that you can do. And it's creating a picture in our mind as we read. 
And it is an, an important way to comprehend our reading material because when you visualize, you're thinking about what is happening. And we should think and concentrate on the environment, the smells, the sounds, the tastes, the sights, the events, even the feelings of the individuals and the people. So when you read an event in here, like Mary heading to the sepulchre that morning, we can do some visualizations on that. And we'll take a look at doing that here in a, in a little bit. You can think about it as if you're making a movie in your mind as you read the material. And because your mind is focused to do that, it's going to be very, very effective. It'll help you to remember. And when you do the visualizations, there's some things you want to make sure you incorporate. You want to incorporate all five senses. Hearing, smelling, speaking, touch. That's four, right? What's the fifth one? Mouth, taste. Thank you, Reggie. And the events that are around there. So you can create an accurate picture in your mind. And this begins to add to the characters that, that you're reading about. And it helps you have a better uh, view of what's going on. Now granted, some of this can be speculative, but as long as we stay with the, the central theme uh, of what is being taught, we're not going to get in, into trouble with it. And so it was. It was a very happy time. Mary and the disciples, they were rejoicing because they had Jesus, a proven man of God, who even his enemies said, this man cannot do these miracles without God. And it was recognized that he might be the savior of Israel and bring them out of the situation that they were in. And so it was a very disappointing event when he was taken by the authorities and crucified. And they became very sad. And Mary and the rest of the, even his mom, I'm sure were crying on that, on that day. And it was discouraging. And out of the, that love, after he was at the sepulcher, some women preparing in advance. The day before they got together, and prepared some spices and planned in advance to head on out to go to the sepulcher. Perhaps they would meet at a central point and, or perhaps they would meet at one person's house and one would go from one to another. And they, when they got up that morning, perhaps it was chilly, so they went back in and got a wrap and put a wrap on. But the moon was bright and they could see their way to get to the sepulcher to where it was at. And so Mary, again, while it was dark, lit pathway was lit by the moon. She easily, easily walked up toward the sepulcher. And she, she got to the sepulcher. It was a little blurry because it was still at night. And it wasn't really clear. Where was the rock? And then she realized the rock, because you see, if you've ever seen a cave at night, 
The inside of the cave is going to be dark. You've got a rock in front of it, that's going to be dark too. So it takes a little while for you to comprehend whether the rock is there or not. And then she found, as she got closer, that the stone had been rolled, rolled away. And she went back and she told Peter and John. And John came first and looked in, and then Peter came, and he, Peter ran right inside the cave. The difference between John, John was a, he came up to the mouth of the cave and he kind of peeks inside. He doesn't go in. Peter runs right up there, runs right into the cave. No hesitation. And they didn't understand what was going on and they returned home. But Mary, crying and weeping, tears in her eyes because of what had happened and not knowing where the body of Jesus was. Looks inside and sees two angels, one of where Jesus' head would have been, one where Jesus' feet would have been. And they ask her why she was weeping. And she turned away and she saw somebody. But it was dark, even with the moonlight. There was a bit of a breeze. Trees were swaying. And so she didn't recognize who she was talking with. The blurry-eyed tears. And the person says to her, Woman, why do you weep? Who do you seek? And she, thinking that it was the gardener, said to him, Where have you laid him? And then Jesus said to her, Mary, and with that, she recognized the voice. She didn't have to see because she heard. She heard his voice and she recognized it. And she quickly returned and told the disciples. So we could use some other examples. And it's kind of like if, you, if one had attended the spokesman's club Years ago, there was a section where you were to add color. And the visualization is a lot of adding color to the environment, talking about the lighting, talking about the wind, talking about the tears, talking about the blurry vision. And of course, there's all kinds of stories we could, we could use. The disciples watching Jesus ascend from the hill that's got to be a very motivating. Can you imagine? There you are, and speaking with Jesus, and he starts to ascend up in the air. Do you think you might be pumped to go back into the city and tell somebody what you just saw? You know, how are you going to keep your mouth closed on that one? You are really, at least I would be really pumped. I mean, I would tell everybody that I saw. In Titus, chapter 2, 11 through 13, for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, that is denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age. Certainly a challenge, challenge for us all. And looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing 
of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. You see, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearance, looking to the future, visualizing the prophecies that are in here, whether it's in the book of Revelation and the term in the tribulation, or whether it's Jesus returning on uh, to gather the elect, or whether it's you on the sea of glass during the wedding feast when Jesus comes around and serves the wine. All events that if we focus on them and visualize them can really ingrain these things into our mind. In Proverbs 29, 29.18, I believe it is, it says, where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. They cast off restraining themselves from ungodliness and worldly lusts. That we read about in Titus. 29.18 in Proverbs, where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint, but blessed is he who keeps the law. And the key to all of this, one of the keys, because I don't want to say there's one key, all right? I've put one key more, a higher level than another. But is needing the Lord and found in humility, recognizing that he is the way and the truth and the life. As he said in John 14, verse 6, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That needs, if you're going to have salvation, if you're going to be in the kingdom, you must go through Jesus, and therefore you need Jesus. John 14, 25 through 28, these things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, implying that he's not going to be with them too much longer. They may have missed that. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Don't be troubled, don't be afraid. Whether you're talking about the tribulation, whether we talked about events in your own neighborhood. No. No fear. No trouble in the heart. Verse 28, And you heard me say to you, I'm going away and I will come to you. If you love me, you would have rejoiced because I'm going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. The key that I want to point on there is that I'm going away and I will come back for you. I will come back to you. Again, a point of vision. It's a point of showing your need for him, but it's also a point that is showing um, an opportunity for visualization. I have this dry mouth that has been... <clears throat> pursuing me over the last couple months. In John 5, 24, he says, Most assuredly, I say to you, 
he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death into life. Notice that past tense, has passed from death, death to life. Oh, it's already happened. It's not a future event. Just the manifestation of the event has to, has to happen. But you already have the guarantee. You already have internal life, everlasting life, inherently within you through the Spirit of God. I have just comment here on, on my uh, message here. I've been flipping back and forth between King James and ESV. I do that. has has something to do with my computer in finding the, 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 the original Greek words, and then I forget to flip back out of it. So I stay in where I'm at when I want to be in ESV and I'm still in New King James or something. So that's, that's not necessarily that I intend. There are other times that I intentionally do that because I like what's being said. And I fail to highlight that. But just so you're aware, I am using two different versions here, the New King James and ESV. But we need to have also an attitude of trust and confidence. And that, as I went through the last time I spoke, with faith, trust, truth, confidence, all of those aspects. In Matthew 24, verses 6 through 8, this is I, I love the way this is put in the ESV uh, because it's so positive. It is so positive. He says, and you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed, for this must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All of these things are about the beginning of the birth pains. What? This is tribulation we're talking about. We're talking about torture. We're talking about death. We're talking about violence. Birth pains? Yeah, birth pains. Yeah. Great way to look at it, isn't it? I think it is. I get excited when I, when I read that. And that Greek word has got four or five different ways you can interpret it. Birth pains is one of them. But I like it to look at it in that perspective because it, embraces, it embraces an attitude of trust and confidence and putting away fear. We have a num number of examples of that throughout the, the Bible. You know, I, I, Daniel's three friends, I mentioned that before. And then, of course, it's the Psalm 23, going down into the valley of the shadow of death, you know, and sitting there, putting up a table, and having a meal. And so we need to be ready. Because whether we are ready or not, he will come. And by growing fruit, by being led by the Spirit, by fulfilling his will, by listening to him in prayer, by keeping our focus on him, we will be ready. And so when he comes, we will not be caught with our pants down, kind of a thing. You know? One of those things where you say, oh no, not now. We've probably all had those events happen to us at some time or other. 
I had one of them the other day. I thought my cat had stolen an article of clothing. But these articles, a pair of socks, right? You can't wear one sock that's different from the other sock. Well, you can, but you look a little weird, you know? And one of my socks was missing. And it's like, that cat jumped up on my bed. I got to get out of here. I can't walk around for this sock all day. But I was, where did they put it? So I'm thinking, I can just walk around the house. Hey, what's the cat going to do with a sock? They're going to carry it from one room to another room and drop it, and it'll be visual, right? I went through the whole house. I looked every place and couldn't find it. Smart cat, no. Dummy me. I hung it up at a place I never knew I hung it up at. The cat never even got it. <laughs> and one sock fell off from where it was hanging. It was on the floor. That's the one I thought the cat got. So, you know. <laughs> but that's frustration, you know, uh, not being ready. I, I wanted to get out of the house. I didn't have time to run around and hear a sock is delaying me. And it was my own fault. But it was nice to blame the cat. And she forgave, and she forgave me very quickly. John 15, verses 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. That, again, is a very positive, confident statement, that whatever you ask, he is going to give you. And, you know, I don't want to equivocate on it, but his perspective in time can be quite a bit different from ours. And it may be that he will give us that in the kingdom <laughs> But for now, you know, it's not necessarily something that we would get right now. That's just an equivocation on my part. But go and bear fruit. And all of this that we're talking about, they're all connected together. The, the, from the needing of God to looking to him, to the visualizations, um, reading his word, it's all connected together to give you victory. Victory in the word, victory in Jesus. Jesus, who has been with us since the beginning at the creation. Jesus, at the beginning of the Old Testament, when ancient Israel was to be the focal point of the purpose. And then he was there at the New Testament, when the focal point isn't the nation, but is or are individuals. And that's the history. But all of these events come into play going out into the future. The final seven years, the final three and a half years, the kingdom of God, and out and into eternity. Knowing his word, keeping his word, keeping a vision on him, the recognition of our need for him. Coming to understand our state of readiness. All of these will come together if we keep our mind focused on him. They'll all come together and give us victory through the word.